I'm Kenny McLaughlin, the unknown fictional child to Sarah McLaughlin. Will you take a stand with standees? Every day, innocent human-sized cardboard cutouts, also known as standees, that were once loved by sports arenas in a time of crisis, are now being neglected, thrown away, or kidnapped by coaches who've stared at them for too long. And they're crying for help. Please, call the number on your screen with a monthly gift right now of $138 a month, the actual price of a standee. For $138 a month, only $4.5 a day, you'll help rescue standees from their careless stadium owners and provide medical care, shelter, and a new place where they can thrive. Like in the stands at Little League Baseball games, because, let's be honest, no one actually wants to sit through any kind of baseball game. Call or join online in the next 30 minutes and you'll receive this welcome kit with a photo of your standee sitting in their new seating area at a baseball game. One who's been given a second chance, thanks to you. Right now, there's a standee who needs you. Your call says, I'm here to help. Until you get moldy and then I'll have to throw you away because now you're a health hazard. Please, call right now. Take a stand. With a standee. Greener Pastures, the podcast you asked to the big dance on a dare, but when you saw them with their glasses off and realized they're hot AF, you finally see what an asshole you are asking podcasts out on dares. Here are your hosts. Teresa Douglas. Keegan Witzke. Amy Carl, Ash Jibig. And Cassie Soliday. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're talking to some of the editors of Greener Pastures magazine. Uh, the topic of discussion is subjectivity. Why do we like what we like and not like what we don't? So you really can't take anything personal when it comes to creativity and comedy is no exception. So as writers, how do you guys handle receiving rejection on a piece? You are so sure is funny. And what is your next step? I mean, we created Greener Pastures because we were like, our work is so funny and we're so committed to the piece that we wrote as is that we'll just publish it ourselves because uh we don't understand why other people don't think it's funny so we really we seem to like double down as a group we don't get discouraged we we really just commit to whatever we've published i feel like it's there's that combination of both optimism and denial that goes into it i know i know when when i first started i thought oh god nobody took work it must not be good i'm crushed now and i feel more like there are just places that don't get me yeah and it's not oh my they god yeah funny. they just it's like a relationship they just they're not going to do it's their loss it's, it's not you it's them there you go i totally agree with that there are some places no names because i adore all the other funny places you know for their own respective name names Keegan. name names <laughs> Bird Bridges. This podcast is about starting feuds. All right. Pulling off the gloves. Coming at you. Insert website name. No. Uh I I think everyone has like an awesome like take and spin on like where they're going for. 
I know that if someone doesn't like my stuff, and I agree with both you and uh, Teresa and Amy, like it, it really is their loss. Like this is my voice, uh, and I'm not gonna like skew it if unless like it is my dream thing maybe i'll try like hey this is maybe my take on how i work at this place or that place but if it's something like no this is like amazing and someone doesn't like it at least i know yeah thank god there's gp but also just to know in my head no i know it's really good and it's just not what their style is it's kind of like a puzzle piece like yeah my puzzle piece may not work for what you're looking for but maybe it'll work somewhere else it can also totally depend on um different publications will have multiple editors or will like cycle through editors at varying times. Like people will pass on the torture, take breaks and have guest editors. And it can also just kind of depend on which editor you end up. It can be like a luck of the draw in that way is sometimes you'll have one specific person who really digs you. And every time you get an email back from them, you know, they like your work and it's an acceptance or sometimes you get the same person and you're realizing like, Oh, I think they, it's not even necessarily the whole publication, this specific editor and I don't jive. And that's not like, to start a feud with anyone that's not to be like i'm coming for you so and so because i know you don't like my writing because i have so many emails with your name on it but yeah i can depend on that as sort of like within a staff of people like we all have different opinions what we like and don't like and we've certainly said we'll get a piece and i think i've personally have been like i don't like writing about this topic so i'm not the best person to judge because it would be a no for me but i just don't like any pieces on that topic it's nothing to do with that specific person's writing it can also be about things that were like uh something that was maybe just published and it's just too similar or they've covered it too much and that's sort of a good idea to keep up with the humor sites if there's one specific one that you're aiming for like mcsweeney's or the new yorker read it as regularly as you can if not every day several times a week or once a week do like a deep dive into what they're publishing because there's certainly been times where i was just re-listening to uh brett and i's episode of the podcast and him and i were talking about that he's gotten uh various rejection letters that have been like this is great we just have already covered this topic and i've certainly gotten those too and so you have to sort of seek out like if i am you know, wanting to cover a certain news topic, or if I want to talk about the pandemic, like, okay, what, what did so-and-so publish today? What did so-and-so publish this week? And then you can aim for a different site because, you know, it might fit somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Timing is key because obviously the topics and sometimes with publication schedules, I might have something they haven't published yet, but it's in the queue for two weeks. So you wouldn't have been able to see it. Um, but in my chats with a couple of the edit- editors, Scott and Chris, they say just sometimes it's them, they're in a bad mood or you've caught them on an off time and that just doesn't get with them at that particular time. If you send it the next day, hey, they might have accepted it. So uh, a lot depends on the editor. It's nice to know too, as you, you're further in your comedy career, that there are some publications that like some themes better than others. I've found that there are places where if I have a really feminist, angry sort of slant, it's probably better than, than other places for things that I want. If I want something a little sillier, there's another publication I go to for that because we write different things on the comedy spectrum and it's good to know who, who enjoys what you do. Yeah. And piggybacking off that it's, it is a good skill. Even if you know, like this one piece, like you really are set on it. Like, okay, this is like my voice. Like I know not many other places are like it, but I know this is me. And then if you want to be like, okay, I know the style of like McSweeney's or Robot Butt or Belladonna's or like Lunar Times, you're like, all right, I know what they're kind of looking for. And I like, and I know I can 
do like whatever this topic is in both my voice and that can be likable like work within the world of like this place it's kind of like writing tv almost like does it fit in this world in like the context of the style yes. of this and then if it works like perfect and if for some reason it doesn't like okay just you know be confident that your stuff is good and that's kind of it's weird that relationship like if it's something doesn't like get published by like a place you like it's kind of a weird like good thing to get used to failure and then just being like confident and like no i'm good just maybe they didn't like this piece yep now we've kind of evolved into editor chat uh but i do want to add that i've been uh rejected by this one publication so many times but they say they love me they just don't like Name this it. piece in particular Name and i'm like oh my god okay. i hate that I can can't. i just say that yeah I, but i like listed though because like i believe them because i don't see why you'd waste your time and not just giving me the form letter yet again you know but yeah yeah, yeah. I still love them anyways. But so <laughs> as <laughs> as editors, like what makes or uh what makes or breaks a piece for you regarding content? Like are there topics that are always funny or never funny? I, I think the headline is super important because it's the first thing I look at. Um I did to a few I edit a few publications, but if you can't I think as a writer, if you can't get the headline right, then the content may not be the best. So I think you've got to start with a really strong foot and have a really strong headline to start. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I'll see a headline and go, yeah, I don't know if I really want to read this, which is a shame. You do read it and you think it's good, but the headline is super important. Yeah. See, I until recently have not found pandemic humor funny at all. I've actually been using <laughs> writing satire as a way to like escape the pandemic. So I have yeah. not wanted to read pieces about <laughs> like very specific pandemic things. I have not wanted to write them. I have not been into it and only recently with the vaccine and like uh you know at least in the states it's all about like re you know reopening and re-emerging and blah 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 um only recently have i started to work on like pieces about about the pandemic and about the vaccine but i really have not been for the last i guess year and some odd months i've not been interested in pandemic humor and so when we've gotten some of those pieces i have been the one who's been like Eh, I just know it's not my thing. So, like, you guys tell me if it's funny or not, and I will, you know, co-sign it. No, I yeah, I like that about having so many of us. And I and I just think I walked on Keegan again. So, Keegan, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just literally agreeing with you. Like, yeah, I agree with you, Teresa. Like, uh, yeah, please keep that in the recording. Like, just both of us all stepping on each other because we love each other. Uh, no, I agree. so much. We love each other so much. Like literally, we've only we've never met each other yet in person. But we will. Um, I agree. Even for your bedroom window, Kagan. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I just want to hug you all so much. I adore all of you. Uh, back to real world. Uh, I really I doubled down on that, Amy. You know, I feel like a lot of the pandemic humor. It's kind of like when people during the height of the pandemic were like watching contagion or outbreak those movies about that was the world dumb disease. Yeah. i'm like why would you double down on your misery just to be like oh yeah i want to feel so bad like the world might end like oh see my God. I, I i i did not want to see contagion i'd seen it in theaters back when it was funny to have a pandemic because i wasn't <laughs> in one <laughs> not that that movie was funny but i i rage started comedy because of the pandemic and having to parent my children and work full time 
and somehow do something with their education without them going feral and seeing other people also dealing with those things and writing about it was cathartic and being able to write about it and try to find something funny to say about it helped me deal with it because I, I legitimately felt like if I didn't, I was going to explode. Hmm. Cassie and I yesterday, as of the recording of this podcast, took um, a workshop with Carlos Graves, who was in another episode of the podcast, and he very graciously plugged that episode during this workshop. Nice. But uh, we took a workshop with him on writing topical and timely like satire specifically and one thing that he focused on a lot was writing about like what makes you angry if you can't find something because the more that it is fueled from inside of you the more like naturally it'll come to you to write and the more people will be able to relate to because it's coming from an authentic place yeah and i think the pieces i've had the most success with have been written out of like me actually being angry at something and i think that the where the pandemic and i like differ in that sense is that it's more made me sad than angry and i think i haven't yet nailed how to write from sadness and make it funny i've only nailed how to take my anger and make it funny um so maybe you could go from the perspective of the retirement home people the ones who weren't treated well and just be like well i mean i was already gonna die so okay (laughs) mayor de blasio you can just kick me out just at least record my death that's something I uh, going back to the actual question of like, are there topics that are always funny or never funny? I think that's one thing where we have as an editorial group have had a lot of conversations about like pieces that toe the line and being like, yes. is this is mm-hmm. this the perfect balance of like dark humor and maybe like cultural criticism? Is this like satirizing something? Well, is it giving is it taking a hard to digest topic and putting it into, you know, an analogy or putting it into a different situation that makes it more palatable to the audience? Or is it just, you know, or is it not doing that? Is it? Yeah. I think that was a good example recently when we got a uh, submission and it was related to a specific group that none of us were part of. And yeah. we were unsure. And then Keegan said, I've got some people who I can take this to and get their feedback. And I think that's really important because none of us could relate to it. Um, and yeah, like, it was offensive or funny or satirical. And you know what? There and what was great was both my friends that were part of the group and also us as a collective. A lot of us were chiming in, and both groups said the same thing at the end, which was like, "Eh, like it's an outdated stereotype, whatever what it was." And then we as a group had to double down, like, "Okay, what do we stand for?" As like a satire website and like as editors. And it was really, that was when I was really proud of us all, which if you ever get to be a chance to be an editor of something, I hope you get to have that moment where you're like, yeah, like, fuck yeah, we're standing up for something. This is what we do. And, and, I was, my, and we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah. The fact that we were like in a diplomatic and like very like, hey, like, let's just talk about it and not like point fingers or anything. We right. Like, we were able to have like a mature, thought out conversation yeah. where we were genuinely coming out of different points of view. Some people really did. Um <laughs> Not necessarily they were super gung-ho, 100% ready to publish it, but some people found it more funny and satirical than others, and we sort of went, we were able to very uh, respectfully but, like, effectively go back and forth um, and form an opinion as a collective. And And I think we got to the right opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ultimately, I think we made the right decision. We did because uh, the front one of my friends who was from that group, uh, they emailed me back and they said, 
you know, the worst part about this piece is that it's just not funny. I yeah. was like, okay, done. Thank you very much. There we go. And I was like, and it's not have- comedy if it's not funny. <laughs> well, I think that's like, important. We were sidetracked by the the other the main issue rather than actually looking at it. Was it funny? Yeah. And I remember yeah. having a conversation about this recently. Like, um, someone was asking me about greener pastures when I was. I was just like, look at us. We're going. We're just, everyone keeps noticing us. It's great. And they're just like, so like, what made you want to like do greener pastures in general? Like all of you. And I said, well, the biggest thing was we just didn't matter exactly what the tone was or something. Like the main thing is, is it funny? Like, and it could be from a different kind of perspective. Like whether it's super straight to the point or super absurd, as long as it's funny and it has some kind of point of view, like, yeah, all right, we'll take a look at it and like really consider it. We have, we have sometimes, and this kind of goes back to just some of the stuff we're talking about, had to do some research to figure out what people were talking about and, and what, because that we had one piece that was funny that I didn't get, it was still funny, even though I didn't get half the references because it was about animal crossing and I have never, ever played animal crossing, Oh my but God, it was, so it was, was it Wordsworth? Who, who were we, who, who that there was this oh, piece? Oh, and it, it was, um, they were Thoreau. Thank you. Now that I had read, I'd read Walden, right? Yeah. So it was funny because of that, but having to look it up and figure out like, what was this random reference to this? And I think it was Cassie and I forget who else have, have more experience in that. And again, the nice thing about having so many editors is that we're our own like Wikipedia in some ways. <laughs> like yeah. it was so, it was so great. Cassie, when you came in, it's like, actually it's these animals. And we're like, all of us, even me. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh, thank God. I okay. loved that piece. And um, yeah, I just love coming funny. in and being like, no guys, this is funny. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but, I like the row. Okay. <laughs> in writing about, because I had a piece uh, that was an Animal Crossing piece, and it took me a while to find a home for it, too. <laughs> so, yeah. I had to find my specific audience for that one. So Did you want that one in your pseudonym, Cassie? No. It's a, a secret. I, ha- I have a pen name in which I only write Animal Crossing themed satire. Um, yeah, please yeah. don't tell anyone. <laughs> Cassie, Cassie Holiday. Your secret well, is with us. Thanks. Then there was that piece we had about about Barbie dolls, oh, and yes. I remember doing that research to find out what was the name of Barbie's sister. What is the name of Barbie's sister? She has two. <laughs> she has a she has yeah Skipper, and I forget who the other one was, Skipper? and it was the other one that was referenced. Yeah, I'm, just very, I'm very impressed that the Barbie Corporation just gave names to Barbie's you know supporting cast. <laughs> Oh, there's a whole world because you won't buy if yeah. more than Barbie and Ken mm-hmm. if they don't have names. Yeah, there's like the year. Hart family. I had that as a kid. Midge is my favorite. For the, I feel bad for the kids then when they like already named the siblings or whatnot, and the corporation's like, actually, it's like Stephanie. And the kids like, why Right, that they had names, but they didn't have genitals. It was a family toy, you know. Yeah, but it was anatomically incorrect. Do dolls have genitals in Australia? (laughs) Uh, To be honest, I haven't checked. Probably not. (laughs) Okay, so um, 
So kind of what I'm getting is that you, as a writer and as an editor, you kind of have to have your point of view for like what you want to put out there. And mm-hmm. while you want to create for an audience, you also want to create what's true to you. So finding that home or fixing that puzzle seems to be like it, it's so subjective, like all over the board. So it's so nice to hear you guys talk about it and get some views on that. So t- let's talk about execution. So let's say you like the premise or concept of a written piece, but don't like the execution. And like as a writer, like how can do you have any tips on how to tell what may have gone wrong? Well, it depends. Uh, I hope I'm not jumping on anybody, but I would love other people's opinion. Like, I remember sometimes giving feedback on a piece, and it depends on the person and if they take feedback. Because I remember sometimes when you are like, hey, this is my suggestion of, like, how you could possibly maybe heighten or tighten it or maybe go in a different angle to get the satirical point of view you're going for. And sometimes they're gung-ho, like, yeah, totally. And then sometimes they go, no, this is my baby. Do not touch it. I'm like, all right. It just depends. They will find a home somewhere else for yeah. it. I yeah. think most often or most commonly what I hear from us when we talk about why a piece isn't working, it's too long and it gets too far away from the original point. Mm-hmm. Like we'll we'll kind of say a lot of things of like oh they could cut like two paragraphs at the end or like they really didn't need that intro paragraph or we'll say things like yeah the the title is interesting and the beginning is interesting but then by the end they're talking about you know they've got like two different games going on and they need to pick one so I think the most important thing is pieces don't have to be long I think my McSweeney's piece is five hundred words like pieces don't have to be long to be good they just need to be very sharp in their POV. And you need to make sure that um, if you're making jokes that are like related, but not directly about it, if you want to make a little side tangent, you need to veer back to your POV pretty quickly. And it has to be a reason. Yeah. It has to be a reason you're, you're veering. And I would say, too, that there are pieces that we have said no to because they're recycled jokes. Yeah. Like there there are jokes that you might have seen on airplane and that movie was done a long time ago. <laughs> or it's something that someone made a joke about on Twitter. Like if they're if the joke's on Twitter already, chances are it it's tired by the time we see it. Well, and so yeah. that's I think that's like the flip side of it's either too it's too long and it's too meandering. They've got too many different ideas they're trying to put in one piece or it's one p. It's one idea that could just be a tweet, and they're trying to stretch it out into five, six hundred words. And you're like, oh, there's just not enough jokes here, yeah, to yeah. to make it. In. And it's not a, that's not necessarily that's different than heightening. Heightening is you're not taking the idea far enough. You're not developing yeah. it. This is there's just not enough in the concept that you're talking about or in the you know the theme or whatever like there's just or you're overcomplicating, yeah. right like you have so we have had pieces where we asked people to take out quotes that sound like it's they they did a journalistic piece or they're trying to be both a list and a monologue i've seen we've seen those and it's you're too many forms together yeah so it, it's better to, to pick one and just really stick with it and go all in on it than to try to have little like a Franken piece that has a little bit of this and a little bit of that, because that's how you're trying to get your joke. Yeah. So even Ooh, format or execution word. can be subjective. So how do you advise double checking that um, the format adds to your comedic premise instead of convolutes it? 
I mean, Cass, you're the one that has brought this up on the podcast before, at least we've mentioned it, which is like, if you're having trouble with a piece, you're not sure the format's working, just write all of your jokes on a piece of paper and just look at all of your jokes. And maybe this is before you have a piece or maybe you have a piece and it's not working and you just look at all your jokes and say, what is the most effective way to deliver all of these jokes? Because Mm. you might have them in a monologue and then you look at the actual meat of the jokes and you're like, oh, I'm to put it into a monologue. I need too many filler words and I'm losing you know, the essence of it, maybe it is just a list or you look at a list and you say, wow, these are too short. And I don't think it's getting enough, you know, explanation for each bullet point. Maybe it needs to be a monologue or maybe it needs to be, you know, more of a paragraph style list instead of those, those comparison lists of like, are you this or are you that? Cause those will mm. just be one sentence jokes each. So um, I think that like strip, if you're not sure if a piece is working, just get the get the meat of it. Figure out like what what is funny. What about this is funny? Where is the funny to it? And you can even go through and like highlight those if you want to print it out and highlight it on a piece of paper. And be like, here are the parts that I laughed. Here are the parts that are funny. Um, you know, what do I do with the rest of it? Do I cut it? Do I just need to rearrange things if I put it in a different order? Um, that's something I do. I have my my husband will read a lot of my pieces before I send them out. And he's not a humor person anyway, but simply what I do is I'll like watch him and just look at the parts where he laughs and make notes of the lines where he laughs or the, I think that's really important Um, somebody, an outside point of view, especially if someone that you trust. Yeah. Yeah. In that feedback, because it is really important whether they read it out loud or you read it out loud to them. And if you know, especially if it's a monologue and you have the style of how you would say it, because a monologue is basically a way of being a character. And so if you say it in a way like you know in your head like it is, and then they laugh at points, like, okay, good. And you just, like Amy said, just kind of underline I, I'd actually disagree with that, Keegan. I'm going to create some <gasps> controversy. Because, yeah, you. because uh, your readers or the editor that you're submitting it to is not going to hear your voice saying it. So it has to be as is on the page. Yeah, okay. All right. I can take that. Okay. And I would say, too, voice, especially you, Keegan, you put on your funny voices and present it, and it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. You read any submissions in any voice you like. Call 1 800 Keegan now. I mean, Keegan could make the menu at Olive Garden funny. First <laughs> yeah, one. I, I would think, too, that the kind of gets to what is each form for? Yeah. So, monologue, you're ranting, but it's funny. <laughs> list is generally this thing is really like this thing and so if that's your point you would go to a list and that the extended the extended list i guess when you have the little headlines you have the stuff that that could be you need to give more explanation but then there are pieces that are really absurd like i I think of the lovely work that calder does where he just he puts you in a story that is is just bonkers crazy pants and it's it's fun because who who knew you needed a shoulder to cry on when you have chalet problems like i i didn't know i needed that until i read it and it was just the whole situation was funny so i guess actually that's a monologue too they're almost narrative though they're almost more like almost a cross between i mean all of these are fiction but they almost feel reading closer to a fiction piece than like a yeah a monologue to me would read like a funny non-fiction piece because you're writing it in i the first person and his almost tend to read yeah like a short story 
And it also goes into the world of absurd. And I think that's what he doubles down on. He's like, all right, Mm -hmm. we're going to go not only heightened, but go weird, like absurd land. And that's what's going to be funny about it is that you understand that you're along with the joke that this is going into weird territory, like very weird. Yeah. And and I I heard Jen Spira or Jen Spira, I think it's Spira, um, read from her book big time. And she had this section where it was a short story where all these people were getting collected together because somebody was going to have one of those, I'm about to murder you all and you can't help stop it. And the funniest thing about that piece was that all of the characters could hear the lead character's thoughts. And that was like the biggest, funniest thing about, about, well, there are lots of things, but that was the funniest thing to me. It was so surprising and it was using that format of the story really to bring that joke. So that that was why she wrote it that way is because that was the that was the funniest way to, to convey it. So maybe that is a long, long winded way of saying what what is your what is your comedic piece for? Yeah. And then picking a format that works with it. And earlier when you mentioned Calder, just to say his last name, Calder Holbrook, uh, he has a yeah. few pieces on Greener Pastures yes. and other great publications. So definitely check it out. Uh, so last question. Uh, when you read a piece, can you feel the passion and does that make up for maybe not liking the core of the piece? Like, where does passion come into execution? Does anyone have an example of a piece where we, like, loved the enthusiasm, but it just I mean, wasn't there yet? I brought it up in a titles when we chatted about titles before, and I don't think we ended up giving edits or extensive edits on this one if we did they were probably very minimal but um bill dr bill bradley's piece of um, a personal history of whether or not i could kick clint eastwood's ass oh yeah (laughs) we did give him some minimal methods yeah yeah but the title and the concept alone were enough for me to be like even if there's a few technical problems here he's he's pulled me in this is enough of a bit that i can buy into and i feel enough of his yeah, the situation he put me put us in as readers to me was funny enough uh, that I I felt it come through and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in. Like, right, maybe there's a few lines here and there that need to be snipped, but and I think you also yeah. had gifts in there as well in the piece, if I remember right. If not, then I'm remembering wrong. But regardless, he had pictures or something with it, and I was like, okay, cool. I don't know why that just helped me out with it too, just to see him like get older with the piece i was like all right yeah and you still can't beat have beat up clint eastwood sweet (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was an absurd one so any last thoughts on subjectivity i mean you need to be the most confident in your piece you need to be the number one advocate for your piece and you sending it out into the world ultimately just need to believe in it because right all comedy is subjective all the publications publish different things and have different tones of voice and cover different themes and like different types of writing in different formats. So ultimately the most uh, subjective you can be is just like, I don't know, the sentence doesn't make any sense, but just believe in yourself. If it's good, if you believe that it's good, if you think it's your best work that you're putting forward, despite you know whatever opinion the editor may have you can always see that you can feel that the person was confident writing it you can feel that the person put time and love and effort into it uh and we can tell what it's half-assed is the other end of things we can tell if you we can tell if you kind of gave up halfway through and just sent it in because you were tired of writing it or you just wanted to submit something that week so 
Or you've it, it, every publication out there and you can see that you haven't changed the name or the format or anything. <laughs> yes. It, on, oh. the other, on the other hand, if you have polished it and you've worked on it, then if at first you get rejected, don't give up too soon. So don't, don't just send it to one place and it didn't work and so you shove it in a drawer. I will try, say... Try to find the place. Yeah. Maybe this is a good thing to to reveal if you guys want to how many on average places would you all send a piece before kind of shelving it i would say i probably send it to like four depending on how I'm much like I seven or eight <laughs> my number i'd say seven or eight for me after like at nine i'm like i'm just shooting i'm just throwing spaghetti at the wall like somebody please and if not i'm just like hey gp friends what do you think of this and then like all right well we'll take a look I think I've gotten more selective too as we've gone on because I'm more critical of my own work now and saying, oh, I know I can do better. I know I can because I've done better before. But yeah, I would say probably four or five. So we, the point is we don't stop at one or two. We don't send it exactly. to one place and get sad and give up. We definitely send our work out. We cast a wide net. Tell me what you think before we head out. Like another thing that kind of puts me off whenever I read something, uh, when we're like seeing if it would work something about punching down on pieces if it's just like because punching down is like bullying almost in a way and there's no real satirical point of view with it that's when i'm just like oh man it's just like super negative the whole time there's no like some witty or like clever way of bringing it up and making you laugh really genuinely even if it's like cathartic in some way if it's terrible what were you saying there's a difference between having like an aggressive point of view or like a downtrodden like tone in your piece like the the joke of your piece can be how you know depressing the situation is or how sad your character you know it can be like a comedy of errors of things keep getting worse and worse for your narrator and it's just getting sadder but there's a difference between that or having like an angry tone on the subject and punching down at someone those are two different yeah. things mm-hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. And that's where we'll leave on a positive note that Amy summarized things better than I did. Well done. <laughs> it wasn't good. It was different. I would just probably do another silly voice or something to be like, yeah. oh, oh man, let, be let Cassie's been trying to wrap this up for five yeah, minutes. Yeah, we got another one to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, thanks uh, for coming on and talking about this, and thank you, the audience, for listening. Be sure to tune in next Monday for another editor chat about how to simplify your premise to find more jokes. Until then, be sure to check out Greener Pastures Magazine on Medium. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>